Welcome to Conspiracy Say What? We talk about mysteries, we talk about disappearances, and we talk about letters, letters but not of the alphabet. I'm Cameron. I'm Serena. I'm Allie. Welcome to the show. Today, we are talking about Ohio. Fucking Ohio. Yeah. Oh. Today, we're talking specifically about Circleville, Ohio from 1976. Dun dun. No, more like dun dun. Law and order. Um, this sleepy little 13,000 population town of Circleville is known for its famous world pumpkin famous. festival. World, world famous, guys. famous guys. So if you haven't heard of it, you're not in the world. This, or you're just like everybody else. This festival started in 1903, but no one used to know about it. So that's not what we're talking about. Because uh, now it's we're known for murder. Um, yeah, basically in 1976, uh, some asshole decided to start sending letters to a bunch of the residents here, claiming to know all of their basically deepest, darkest, and sexual secrets. Well, specifically one person was sent letters initially. Yes. Started with one person, but it also spread. Yes. It um, became just the chlamydia of Circleville, Ohio. <laughs> There was, there was a guy that was arrested on suspicion of being the one, and then the letters kept going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where the mystery kind of, like, picks up. But, yeah, assuming that he was innocent, which no one knows for sure, uh, we haven't really ever, like, figured out exactly who it is. So. It that's is why it's an unsolved mystery. Unsolved, yes. Unsolved is pretty typically how that goes. If you don't goes. know what that means, you should look it up. And I figured I would go ahead and start this with a Law & Order-themed intro. In Circleville, Ohio, letter-based offenses are considered especially heinous. The dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad known as your average small-town police force. These are their stories. Dun-dun. <laughs> I noticed, so this was on an Unsolved Mysteries episode in the 90s, and it's called The Poison Pen Murders, and I was like, why? When this is like literally called The Circleville Letters. Mm-hmm. Everywhere yeah. else. And then I found out that I just don't know what words mean, apparently. And um, a poison pen letter is actually a letter or note containing unpleasant, abusive, or malicious statements or accusations about the recipient or a third party. So it's kind of just a thing, actually, that happens. So, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have guessed? All right. right. So where does this all start? Yeah. What's the basic story? The classic whodunit again. <laughs> We've done so many of these. But unfortunately, we don't get to know. Because aliens. All right. So basically... There was this school bus driver named Mary Gillespie who be, she received a letter in the mail that accused her of having an affair with the local school superintendent, Gordon Massey. And she was like, this is not real. It's not happening. So she didn't tell anyone about it. She hid the letter. She, yeah, it, it just like didn't exist. But she got one more letter, two more letters. She, she got, got a lot of letters. She got a couple more Before letters. her husband did, though. Her oh, husband yeah. finally got, got a letter few. two weeks later. Gotcha. After the first one. So, yeah. yeah. So, she gets, you know, a couple letters, and she kind of puts them away. And then, eventually, her husband also gets a similar letter trying to expose this affair. And he's like, yo, what's what's going on? And she's like, nope, I, it's not happening. This is a joke. I thought it was, you know, not real. So, I kind of didn't tell you about it. 
I want to mention one thing that's weird with her original, one of the original letters she receives, like one of the first two. So this, that's what this quote is from, um, which is, I know where you live. I've been observing your house and know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. Um, which, a little beggy at the end there. Um, but the thing that I think is weird about this, and it's one, something I haven't seen brought up, is the wording is a little strange. Because the whole point of this is it seems like this person knows a lot about her, eventually. But the like some of these first letters are strange. Like I've been observing your house and know you have children. Like they had to learn seems, that she had children. Right. It seems to imply that you didn't know yeah. that already, which seems to imply that you didn't know her. Yeah. Which is a weird thing. Or it's a red herring, and that's why it says that. There were other red herrings too. Um, like, or maybe it's like a really bad job at making a threat. It's like I know you have children. Like, like think of the children. <laughs> I better fill in the context. I've been observing your house. <laughs> And I know you have children. <laughs> These are the things I know. I've been sitting right outside okay, on the street. Number one. <laughs> You have children. There are, right. th to be fair, there are other red herrings in some of these letters. Um, one of them mentioned that I have a boyfriend or something like that, and something Ooh. along those lines. But they're pretty positive that that was that that means it's probably a man writing this, trying to get someone to think that it's a woman. Well, but I read something talking about how you know they call someone a pig at one point, and someone was like, "I've never heard a man use that sentiment to call someone a pig." But yeah, like to call someone like just like an average Joe, be like you pig, or like yeah, that's that's a weird thing to call someone, and it is in the letter. So yeah, that, that they were postulating that it was a female. But basically, they keep getting letters. Yep. And they start to threaten Ron's life, the husband, and because um, they want them to expose this affair. Well, yeah. yeah. They want it to stop. So they keep threatening. I'm going to tell everyone about your secret unless she tells the school board about it. So from here. They, this couple goes and tells another couple, um, Karen and Paul Freshour. Fresher. Fresher. That's what they, oh, what they said in the video. Okay. Paul Fresher. Karen Sue and Paul Fresher. Karen Sue, yeah. It's Karen Sue. And Karen was actually Ron's sister. Yes. So Which we have, yeah, like, wild. Mary and Ron, who are married, and then Ron's sister Karen and her husband Paul. Yes. Just yes. to clear it up for you all. Yes. <laughs> And so they go and um, these this other couple is the only couple that they tell. So like at this point, theoretically, only four people know about these letters. And the writer. <laughs> yes, but like four Unless, people who yeah. are receiving the letters. Yes. And so they try and like come up with a plan to like get back at them. Because they're pretty sure they know who's sending it. They they think they know who's sending it. Mm -hmm. Just another bus driver named David Longberry. Yeah, who apparently was put out because he had at one point been like hitting on Mary or something or asked her out and she had rebuffed his advances. And so he was, this. they, they thought that it was this person and that he was upset over that. Right. And they decided to send him a letter that was like, stop. So. Or we know it's you. Originally I saw the letter and then I looked it up further and I kept looking it up. And as it turns out, they actually sent him letters mm. over the course of like a week. They like spammed this dude with letters. So they became the person <laughs> that they were afraid of and they just spammed him with threat letters. But like were they threats or were they saying like stop? They were saying we know I it's it was, you. Yeah, like we they know were what you're doing. Threats. We know who you're who you are. We know what you're doing. Like yeah. stop. But like what I didn't see, like what his response was to that, this David Longbury well, guy, like the letters stopped for a while. 
Yeah, that was he like he never actually came out and said anything. Yeah, like I want to know. He does eventually. What his statement. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so we'll get into him eventually. Okay. He doesn't right now though. So he gets these letters. If he even received these letters, it all. It, so for about two weeks, this all stops and nothing happens. And then instead of just letters, signs just become like rampant in the town. So. Yeah, like Someone, signs put up on wooden posts. So right, so whoever was writing the letters, they didn't stop with the harassment. They upped their game. Yeah, and they started making signs, which is probably what that two-week segment was. Like working on their signs, and it's probably because they hadn't heard anything because letters are being sent to David Longberry, Tina's who probably sucks. isn't the guy. So then this other person's like, well, they're just not listening. So I'm going to make signs. So he makes signs and he puts them everywhere. Well, and in the letters, he had said that he was going to put up signs and Mm -hmm. he was going to put it on billboards and he was going to call like, you know, the radio and have them air it. And it was like a huge deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess he pulled through on one of those things. Yep. There, there definitely was a sign. Tracy Gillespie sucks. Yeah, um, so in just context here real quick, if any of you have seen the Unsolved Mysteries episode on this from the 90s, uh, the story here is that the signs up their game on being horrible. Like, really horrible, in vile. In the episode, the sign that the they show in the reenactment just says, Tracy Gillespie sucks. The sucks is so haphazardly scribbled. It's like, yeah. it's almost like so, we don't want, we want to make sure it doesn't like completely say sucks. Yeah. But in reality, what the sign actually said was horrible shit, like, uh, the superintendent was in a relationship with the twelve-year-old daughter. Yeah, or saying like, that of Ron and Mary. He was yeah. Yes. He was fucking the daughter, which is like that is super not appropriate. Yeah, yeah. and just putting all kinds of terrible shit out. And uh, Ron was getting up every morning to take down the signs and make sure that it wasn't on the bus route on the way. Yeah, to school. so that the daughter wouldn't see them, and so that Mary wouldn't see them. Right. He didn't want Mary to know that they were happening. Meanwhile, this is one thing that's not brought up a lot, but I did find this. Police have been consistently actually working on this. They weren't actually being lazy originally. They do kind of get into that zone eventually, Mm -hmm. as with all investigations around this time, to be honest. They had been tapping people's phones. They were sitting outside of everyone's houses. They were watching certain routes that the signs were being put up. And never in doing this did they see someone just plaster signs across the fucking city. Which is amazing to me. Because it was the police. I mean, it could have been, I guess, but... That's one of my theories. We'll get there. But it's just, it's so weird that, like, they're they're surveying the entire town. They've got this entire... And it's not a big town. You can look it up. It's not Yeah, everyone knows everyone. It's 13,000 people. In a 2010 census, it was 13,000 people. So, it's not big at all, but... Police are not finding these signs, and they're being placed on the bus route that they're supposedly watching. Specifically Mary's bus route every day. Like, that's a very, that is a strict route for things to be placed at. Right. I mean, you can figure that out pretty quickly. You should just be sitting on that route every day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, going a bit further here, some of the letters, eventually, since the signs didn't seem to be working, and the... Uh, the letters directly to Ron and Mary didn't seem to be working. Eventually, some letters got sent off directly to the superintendent himself, mm-hmm. threatening the superintendent. Or, again, again, it's a lot of implied threats. There's never... Like, I haven't read any letters that say, like, I'm going to fucking murder you. There's nothing like that. Allegedly, oh, I, I think there is. There is. Yeah. is there something? Ron, yeah. Okay, Ron but I didn't gets one see that says that he, like, he's going to be killed if he doesn't, like, come forward with the information or make it stop. Why kill him? It's not his fault. Wait. 
He's so a victim questions. in this. Is he very a- much a victim? Well, that is a good question. Um, but yeah, so he, so even the superintendent had been sent things, but we don't really know what he thinks about this. There's not a lot of interviews with yeah, him. There's for not some anything. reason, yeah, the other person in this whole debacle is like never interviewed or talked and to. He lived until 1994, I think. So he, there's plenty of time to interview him. Mm-hmm. Another 20 something years. Um, but anyway, that leads to something that goes even more chaotic with this whole thing. Uh, so Ron dun, dun, dies mysteriously, right? Uh, in 1977, Mary goes to Florida, right? Fucking Florida. Fucking Florida. While she's in Florida, Ron supposedly gets a phone call. Now this part's weird to me because the police, the police had been actively looking at all of this. Yeah. They had been tapping phones. Why is their house phone not tapped? Yeah, why do we not know what happened on the other side of this conversation? Why is that phone line one of the ones that's not tapped? So that's a weird thing to this. Nobody mentions that, but we know for a fact, like absolute fact, police were tapping phones. Yeah. So they're just randomly tapping phones, I guess. I don't know. But all we know is we're on the call and we don't know what the other person said. But... What we do know is that he was yelling on the phone. The children were the only witnesses to this. Mm-hmm. They are children. So, like, the oldest one, I think, was 12. So, there's not a lot of information on, like, what she heard or anything like that. The only thing we have is that he possibly told her, I'm going to go deal with this situation. Because she knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. But she didn't know the extent of it, obviously. She's 12. Yeah. But she did know what was going on. She was under degree. the impression that he was, yeah, he, he was like, I'm going to go deal with the letter sender. Right. That is so what I'm doing. Then he busts out of the house. He gets in their truck. He grabs a gun first. He does have a gun. Right. He gets in the truck and he speeds away. He is then found later that day. His truck is wrapped around a tree. So. And it's not very far from their house, you know, no. so he didn't make it very far. Well, nope. the weirdest part is that his gun was fired once. Yes, his gun had been fired once, and they never found, like, the bullet. Like, there was no indication where they'd been. My question about that was, one, so they talk about this a little bit in the um, documentary, but the person had specifically been mentioning the truck. They'd been like, like, I know you have this truck. And they talked about the truck a lot. And I don't know if they just didn't believe that there was any threats or anything, but he jumped in his truck to go do this. And then the, the other thing that I'm always one curious about is, like, did they test for gunshot residue, like, on him? Because the gun was fired. They know that. But, like, they never say that he fired it. Yeah. So That's what true. I do know is something that was brought up was, um, it's brought up by Paul later, which we'll talk about the reason why. But it was brought up that the police did withhold some evidence. They mm. chose to keep some things to themselves, and I think they did it under that we don't we only want these things to be known Certain by things. us. That way, if the killer ever comes forward, we know who the killer is, right? Because it's like hidden information. Right. Okay. But it's a weird idea for them to do that when they claim that there was no foul play. Yes. After because at first the sheriff, Radcliffe, is like, Yes, this is foul play. Mm-hmm. And then Pretty immediately after that, he's like, no, actually, it was totally, it was just an accident. No, no foul play at all, which is like... And they also claimed he was drunk. Yes. So they said that he had a blood alcohol content of 0.16, so twice above the legal level. But the children never, like, said that he was drunk, that he'd been drinking. They didn't think that he was drunk. He didn't appear drunk. Nothing like that. In general, he never really drank Yeah, people that knew him said that he didn't drink that much. So it's strange, right, that he would both appear to have been drunk or at least have been listed as drunk Mm -hmm. and then the gun is fired but there's nothing around and it's the truck that has specifically been like targeted in these letters yeah 
Yes. So maybe, maybe sure, it was an accident, but it was like the brakes had been cut. Or he was in the back seat. Yeah. Maybe he was in there. Maybe he called from the car to get him to come out. Yeah, to bait him out. Yeah. Yeah, and just so people know, he's over a fourth of the way there to being, like, potentially fatal on, like, how much alcohol he's consumed at this point. Yeah, the, allegedly. The con- right, but if you're at a .40, that's potentially fatal. Anything over a .08, especially in Ohio at that time, that was illegal. So he was double the limit, but also he was at a point where not only was he, like, intoxicated, he should have been slurring. Yeah. He shouldn't have really been able to drive. He shouldn't have been able to answer the phone properly, like... No way. No way if you're that sloshed that you're going to be able to answer the phone, know who's calling, grab a gun, hop in your car, and drive far enough that, like, you then can mysteriously get into an accident. Well, yeah. and sp- supposedly say, like, a whole thing to your daughter, yeah. too, that wouldn't be like, I will go, let's just try gun. Run. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, like, you supposedly just have your wits about you. So it's weird. It's a bit odd. Unless he just, like, was, like, I'm, I'm about to die, slammed a bunch of shots, and left. I mean, yeah, I do want to put forward another theory, and we don't have to answer it right now. I just want to put it so people think about it. Once We'll talk about it more once we get to the end. But there is also a possibility that if someone wants to rile you up, they call you with the intention of riling you up or get someone else to call you mm-hmm. so that you're going to go drive somewhere when they are waiting in the back of your truck. Yeah. When they know that you're going to get in that Yeah, truck. exactly. Like, and that's kind of like a scary thought to me because like my brain plays it off as comedy. Like the guy pops up and scares the shit out of him. It's like slapstick moment, but it's not funny. But yeah, that's like one of the things they tell you, like, you know, if you're ever getting into your car in a dark parking lot, it's like check the back seat first yeah. before you get in your car. Yeah, if you're a criminal. And if you're, yeah, if you're upset and you're grabbing a gun and like it's, it's not totally impossible to think, yeah, he's driving down the road, someone pops up, he, like, tries to get the gun out to defend himself, it fires, and then he, you know, hits a tree. But it's just weird that he fired it. On the other side of this, though, what I do want to say is the police did not say he fired the gun. This yeah, is a very, very, very that. important point. They didn't say anyone fired the gun. Just they said the had, gun had went been off. Fired. Yes. However, if the gun is cocked, I don't know what kind of gun he had, but if it's cocked... And he hits a tree extremely hard and it just gets chucked forward. There's a good possibility it's going to go off. The thing is, I saw two different things about what type of gun he had. One said it was a rifle and the other said it was a pistol. Those are two very I saw a pistol more often things. than not. I mean, like, either way, I, I really, really doubt that even in a car accident, like, you're going to have a gun go off and not be able to find any trace of it. See... It is possible, though, because I saw the pictures. The window is gone in the car. So if it fired out the window, there's nothing to show because there's no glass to show that it shot through anything. His truck was obliterated. Like, the front end of it is curved. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Like, he literally, literally, like, cartoon wrapped the front of the truck around the tree. Yeah. Yeah. But there is the, the one funny thing to this part of the story here is uh, Mary really was having an affair with the superintendent. She had been claiming that she wasn't this whole time for this. But even after this came out, she said that they didn't, it hadn't started until after the letters had come in. <laughs> yes. which, which is like is a so weirdest funny. Fuck thing to That's say. That's weirder than just admitting yeah. that you had an affair so to start with. We totally, we totally were not having an affair, but then these letters, we just, we felt a connection. <laughs> what she did, so what she actually said was they 
bonded eventually after Ron's death. That is what she claimed. But their their relationship started shortly after Ron's death. It did, right. And for her to say that, yes, we were having an affair implies that he was alive, right? She didn't say they had an affair. She said they were in a relationship. And I, I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know if Massey read. was also divorced from his wife yet, because that so timeline is, that still is sketchy. Like an affair. I think there's just and that would be an affair. Yeah. For this whole thing. She was definitely having an affair with him, but yeah. she didn't necessarily admit to that. But yeah, she did say the weird thing of like, I mean, essentially the letters, letters brought us together. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to read this? Do, am I supposed to read this? I feel like you should. Yeah. Oh, okay. You well, do both voices. It, it does sound like a bad porn. I have to do both voices? Yeah, you do. Okay. It does sound like a bad porno, so I wrote a quick screenplay if anyone wants to make this film, I guess. Um, <laughs> interior, super duper office day. Mary walks in carrying a single letter. Mary, hey, this letter says we're having an affair. Gordon, hey. Gordon slides everything off his desk. Let's not disappoint the letter. Bad jazz plays in the background. <laughs> I feel like we should just add some bad jazz there. <laughs> Alright. So, after Ron is gone, the shit just spreads further. Yeah. Like, literally everywhere. Yeah. All of a sudden, everyone's secrets are just, like, in these letters. Everyone is receiving something. Yep. Even businesses. That's my favorite. Yeah. But like, did he send, like, a McDonald's a letter? You raised your McMuffin <laughs> prices 10 cents, and I know you did it. Feels accurate. <laughs> so because of this, uh, because of Ron's death, and because they, the police eventually found out, which they didn't know, apparently, that Mary and Ron had been, I guess, harassing, technically, David Longberry. The other bus driver. The other bus driver who had a thing for her. He was given a polygraph test. He was brought in. He was extensively tested. Uh, and he passed the polygraph test. And the police had no suspicion of him. They said there was nothing to connect him even beyond looking at the polygraph results, which you're not allowed to use in a court event, obviously. Like, you can't really determine but, I mean, a suspect ma'am, on that. But, I mean, what's more accurate than a polygraph, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> so, he passed, which, whatever that means, to be honest. Especially in the 70s, yeah. whatever that means. Yeah. But that leaves essentially the police with a singular suspect. They decided that one of their suspects left was Paul, which we'll get into here in a minute. But before that starts, Mary finds the Mary sucks sign. Yeah. Which isn't actually Mary yes. sucks. Yeah. 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 There's signs all over her route. This Weird is after this. Ron. So we talked about it, but the, in the storyline. So yeah, after Ron dies, this is when Mary finds the sign. Mm -hmm. And so she pulls at this point, like, or before this, Ron had been going around and picking up all these signs, right? So Mary had, like, not seen these. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mary sees this sign on the side of the road that is saying some horrible things about her 12 year old daughter. Um, yeah, like, like we said before, yeah, accusing, like, some sort of relationship between Gordon Massey and Tracy, and which is, like, horrible in itself. But then it was saying that, yeah, he was, like, raping her or, th or they were sleeping together or something. And so she gets out of her bus and she goes over to the sign and she like want, she goes to tear down the sign and finds that there's like a piece of twine connected to it that leads to like a small box that she then pulls that down as well and finds a pistol in it that is like rigged to this piece of twine to like potentially pull the trigger and shoot whoever pulls this sign down, mm -hmm. which is like one. Who the fuck makes something like that? And two, how do you, like, know that the right person is going to come along to pull that sign down? I can answer that first question. Wiley Coyote. 
Um, <laughs> that too. But especially a gun that has, like, I mean, oftentimes you hear, like, like revolvers like that have like a 10 pound trigger yeah. like you gotta like you can't like, just she would have had to like put her whole body weight yeah. into pulling that she would have had to like falling down yeah. like trying to pull it <laughs> like that's one thing that is very confusing to me is did the person who made this actually, actually intend for it or was it a scare tactic yeah like i tied this around haphazardly just to scare you yeah. i mean she literally pulled it apart and nothing happened yeah so like clearly it wasn't rigged very well yeah I don't think it was ever going to shoot. I mean, it's it, I also it's a think it was, trigger. like, not really meant to shoot, but more to be, like, someone tried to kill me. Like, yes. quote, unquote, like, tried to kill me. Yeah, and an important thing here that I do want to mention, this is going to come back up a little bit later, we'll talk about it, but um, she was actually the second bus on this route, not the first. And that's very important because the sign wasn't there on the first, which we'll get into in here in a little bit. So, dun-dun, let's talk about Paul Fresh Hour, or more like Rotten Hour. Anyway, <laughs> he is going to get arrested here, um, and we're going to talk about why. So the pistol is registered to his co-worker. So police find out that this thing has been filed down. The serial number's gone. They end up having to use imaging technology to figure out what the serial number is. So originally I thought it was just poorly filed down. It actually was filed, but because of the technology they had, they were able to get that serial number back. So... That goes to a co-worker of Paul Freshour, who you'll remember as being one of the, the, the couple that was confided in by Ron and Mary earlier. Yeah, the right? brother-in-law. Right. And this man is tracked down by the police. He tells police, yes, that is my gun, but I sold it weeks ago to Paul Freshour. Uh, so this leads them back to someone who is very close to the family, which is always a good place to start anyway. And this is where Paul claims that the... <laughs> that the gun was stolen, but he never reported it to the police. He also never registered it in his own name. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Both of those things are sketchy. He also, yeah, he's like, there's no reason for me to ever check on my gun. I just put it in a box in my garage and it's good. (laughs) Okay. Unsolved mysteries, one of my favorite things is, uh, like it said that he showed police like where he, yeah. multiple places he had left the gun. Why are you moving the gun? Yeah. Why is it not just in one so spot? One, why are Sometimes you moving the gun? Here. But two, why do you not know? Why were you, why are you like, oh, but I have no reason to check on my gun. I just like to move it every <laughs> once in a while. You just like, pick out the box and put it over here. Yeah. It was on my fridge, but I want cereal up on top of my fridge. I move it over here in the box. <laughs> I, just like in my box. <laughs> I didn't see it in the box. So then I put it out where everyone can see it. <laughs> It was on my doorstep. Is that how it got stolen? Oh my god, porch pirates. But yeah, so it was stolen, and it wasn't report- reported to the police. But Allegedly. This is all where we get to the Karen Sue dilemma. Dun dun. Karen Sue was married to Paul. But weren't they already divorced? Like no. they had divorced? Nope. They were going to get divorced. They were going to get a divorce, so, okay. and she was in a relationship outside of mm-hmm. their marriage. Ah. So that That's is another thing. This is just a big circle. Yep. Yeah, it's, circle it's a bill. small town. It's a circle it's a, if you live in a small town, possibility, guys. Possibility. Just look to your left. That person is sleeping with someone else. <laughs> I, I can't remember. There was a statistic done one time, and it was like in a small town specifically, like under a certain population, it's like one in five people are sleeping with someone outside of their marriage or something like that. It was yeah. something ridiculous like that. There's nothing like else that. to do, Cam. There's nothing 20%. else to do. And then when you're, when you're sleeping with someone else, and then someone else figures that out, but they can't tell anyone because they're, they're doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, I don't know if that's the actual actual statistic. If you know the actual one, feel free to send it to me. Anyway, uh, she ended up telling police, Karen suited, that Paul, who was known to have a good relationship with Ron and Mary, 
actually had become enraged at both Karen, because of their divorce most likely, and at uh, Mary specifically because of Ron's death. Uh, he and Ron were apparently extremely close. They were only in-laws, but they apparently were like brothers. Mm-hmm. So, and there's uh, there's someone to back that up as well in the 40 is in the 48 hours interview, I believe it is. They interview his niece, Paul's niece, and she talks about specifically, she still calls him Uncle Paul, and she talks about specifically how close he had kind of built the relationship into the family. So, and he always maintained that relationship as well, according to her. So, he was very, very close with um, with Ron, and then this is where the huge twist comes, right? Karen then tells police that Paul is the person who wrote all the letters. Or at least that she suspects him of being the person that wrote all the letters. Yeah. Because she found a torn up letter floating in their toilet. That was of the same style. Did she scoop it all out? So, that's where this gets fun. Uh, she claimed <laughs> she had found other ones as well. Uh, then, she handed over everything. All the damning evidence. Hooray. She, she didn't do that. She didn't have it. She didn't have it. She found damning evidence. She found evidence that links to what ends up being a person's death. Mm-hmm. And now Her an attempted death. murder. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't keep it. She didn't keep it. She told me she didn't have it. She didn't have any of it. She found multiple letters. That's what she told them. There's no evidence of that. What? There's a but lot yeah. of but a lot of forensic analysis just don't just straight up don't believe her. Yeah. Because there's nothing. She has no proof. Like. And why would you like throw that away? Right. Exactly. Like the one in the toilet, maybe. But like the fact that she's like, I found others. Yeah. Where Where are they, Karen? Yeah, especially when it was her brother that died. Would yes. you like be trying to piece everything you possibly can together? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But police took greater word. They brought Paul into the station, and that's where this whole second oh, piece of the story begins. Oh, man, I want to talk about this. Well, yeah, no. so, something interesting to, to note before then is the fact that Karen doing this allowed her to gain custody of her children and get the house in the divorce. Mm, very yeah, important. That's true. Especially since she was technically uh, having an affair. So, yes. Yeah. So she was very likely to not get custody because of her indiscretions. Yeah. But because Paul then becomes the primary suspect because of her quote-unquote damning evidence that doesn't exist, she then is the one to like win custody and the house. Yes, and she is mentioned later as being extremely controlling to the point where her daughter and son had to choose between Paul and Karen. And if you chose him, she didn't want you. So both the kids chose her, mm-hmm. obviously, because they were going to lose her. They weren't going to lose Paul. Right. He wasn't willing to do that. According right. to everyone that I saw an interview with, I will say this, Paul apparently loved his children to death. Yeah. Like one person even said that he would sooner die than have anything bad happen to his children. Yeah. So he was definitely more of like a family man in that respect. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Let's talk about Paul. <laughs> Paul and the police. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... To go along with the fact that this damning evidence isn't actually a thing, because we don't fucking have any actual physical evidence, they do a handwriting analysis test on him. (laughs) And it's the dumbest, it's not even a handwriting test. Because what they do, instead of everything that everybody else does, which is just tell you to write something in your own normal handwriting, they show him one of the letters and say, copy this. Yes, they, they have him copy it exactly. They want him as, to as try... As closely as he can. They want him to try and do it exactly the same. Which is not a handwriting test. No. And it's any like idiot would know that. Yeah. yeah. And so he does it, and they have him do it multiple different ways. They have him copy it, like, while looking at a letter. They read it to him and try and have him do the same font and everything. And so then they have a whole bunch of shit. 
And then they're all like, yeah, your hand- handwriting looks just like the Circle Bow writer. And it's like, well, no shit. He you just copied made me do it. that. Yeah. Like, he didn't write normally. <laughs> yeah, for people who don't know, handwriting analysis is a very particular science. And it is very real. Um, people do write a very specific way based on their personality. But, but... You don't analyze it by having them copy whatever you need to analyze it against. No. You look at old writing and look at what you're like the actual evidence, which they could have gotten from Paul. He did not fight them at any step of the way. Because he didn't believe that he was actually a suspect. Right. Yeah. Like at no point did he think, oh, this is gonna be like bad for me in the future. Like yeah. this is only me helping them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they also gave him a lie detector test. They did. And it did its damn job. It detected lies. (laughs) They asked about the letters. They asked about the attempted murder. He failed the polygraph. Mm. However, it is pretty standard to give, if someone fails, to give more than one polygraph test. Unless you are on a fucking crusade against someone, then you give them one. And then you're like, well, we go to court. You can't bring a polygraph test into court. It's important to note that when you take a polygraph... It is not that the machine says, yes, this person is lying, or no, this person is not lying. It has to be Someone is looking at these results and saying, what I interpret from these results is that you are lying, based on my knowledge and previous experience and how you're reacting to these questions. It right. is not an exact science, which is why it's not admissible in court, because it is one person saying I think this is what this is saying. And that's usually why they do more than one. Yes. So you get multiple opinions. Yeah. You have to have multiple people do it. And because, you know what? If you're nervous, that can throw it off. If you suddenly realize, fuck, I'm a suspect, of course you're going to be anxious. Like, that's so stupid of them to be like, all right, one and done. You're, you're guilty. And they arrest him. And aside, real quick, fun fact about lie detectors, just because some people don't know, and I always think it's a fun fact to tell people. Uh, William, I think his name is Marston. Yes, William Moulton Marston. He created the lie detector test. He also created a superhero famous for her lie detector ability with her lasso, Wonder Woman. And I always think that's a fun thing because he created a superhero that can detect lies. How much fun is that? How much fun is that, though? Did you literally just read a Wonder Woman comic? I did today, yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I think I just think it's fun. I just think it's a fun thing. It doesn't have anything to do with this, but it's fun as hell. Um, Yeah, basically, Paul is just straight up arrested for the attempted murder of Mary Gillis. Which is important. He's arrested for the attempted murder. Yeah, not for the letters. Nothing to do with the letters. Yeah, which is weird. They gave him the writing test then. Yeah. Legally, they had nothing on him for the letters Mm -hmm. because they hadn't actually had the writing analyzed yet. So when they actually decided to arrest him, nothing had been analyzed. All they had basically was a polygraph. And, yep. and the, the wife... the gun was in his possession. And yeah. the wife, right. Yep. And the wife saying, yeah. That, yeah. And I'm not going to say he's not shady as shit at this point. He is. I mean, sure, it's true. Sure, but like, if this were to happen today, holy shit, there would be... You, you there need would be like a mess. more tests on this yeah. before you just are like, well, you failed one polygraph and your wife says you're a piece of shit that you're getting a divorce yeah. from. Yeah. <laughs> that she wants the house and she's having an affair yeah. right now. She's the perfect witness, guys. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read this little script here. Yeah. So what happened, though, is they end up going to trial. And this is it's very, very messy from a judicial side of things and from what I think is kind of a legal side of things, honestly. The defense specifically asked, so Mary goes up on. on the witness stand specifically. And she actually says upon the witness stand, Paul and I have always had a good relationship. Uh, she's asked my favorite answer of hers. She's asked, have you always had a good relationship with Paul? And she says, I suppose. 
So she's obviously huh. trying not to go okay. too heavy into yeah. But she said that he's never showed any anger towards her, anything like that, which I think is a really interesting point from her because mm -hmm. she's testifying against him. So she's up there and they ask her what she thinks about the letters and whether or not Paul would have written would have written them. Uh, the defense immediately tries to knock that down. 100% makes sense. 100% the judge should have said, absolutely, you're correct. Jury needs to forget that, right? Yeah. Take that away from testimony. Nope. Instead, the defense was like, yo, judge, the letters, the letters should not be admissible. And the judge was like, them letters mad important, but like 39 of them. And at the time, there were over 40. So the judge chose for some fucking reason to allow 39 out of 40 something, which I think was around 47 to 49. Why'd you letters. take out like five of them? Why did you skip like five to 10 letters? Why? And I think what he did is I think in order to not look like a complete dick who's ignoring the law and ignoring what this case is about, since the letters have nothing to do with this case, this case is about a sign and a gun. Mm -hmm. It's not about the letters because the letters technically aren't connected to that. In theory, yeah. um, legally they're not. Instead, I think what he does is he allows some of them to not get riled up from either side. So he allows some in from the prosecution standpoint, because like, it helps out there. Right, it helps out them prosecuting him. But then the defense can't completely complain because he didn't allow all of the letters. So he didn't make it about the letters. It's kind of all or nothing, though. Like if you're gonna allow one, you might as well allow all of them because at that point there's no difference. Yeah, right. It's yeah. It's very much why judges sometimes have a bit too much power on what they're allowed and what they're not allowed to do. Yeah. And honestly, why probably every court case should have three judges. But that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> anyway. He spends ten years in prison. Yeah. The so the jury sentences him to prison for the evidence of the letters and the gun. Yeah. He was not on trial for the fucking letters. He never went on trial for the so letters. So basically the whole like investigation and court proceedings were totally fucked. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And I don't care whether he did it or not. The point is we have a due process for this fucking reason so that you can't just do this to people. Yet they do it anyway. And he, right. I mean, th maybe it was the right grab. Who knows? We don't know who the right grab was. And the only was. evidence that they have is like this polygraph, literally the polygraph. And, yep. and the fact that they're like, oh, your handwriting kind of looks like this person, even though you're not on trial for this. It's like, yeah, because you, you made me it. copy the yeah. fucking letters. Yeah, and that was actually one thing that hurt him, too, is the letters who, again, shouldn't have been there. I don't know why they were. Yeah. Um, one of the defense's witnesses, they brought in a witness who ended up testifying against Paul. So that hurt as well, <laughs> because they looked and they were like, I can't say that this isn't his handwriting. Thank you. So speaking of letters, as we have this whole time. The crazy thing with this case is even while Paul is in prison, the letters don't stop showing up to other people's houses. Yeah. And they still are like listed as coming out of Columbus, Ohio mm -hmm. to yeah, the Circleville residence. This is where the letters get crazy because now we're no longer talking about Mary and Ron and Gordon. We're talking about the whole town. Yep. The whole yeah. town is under fire mm -hmm. now. This is why this is called the Circleville letters because the whole town got bombarded mm -hmm. with them. So... And also, did we mention that the letters also didn't stop even when Paul gets put in, in solitary? Yeah, he's in prison and then in solitary. Because the letters keep happening, so they're like, all right, we're going to put this guy in solitary just yeah. in case. And they still keep happening. This is where some, like, real wild ones come out. Um, he writes some about, or I guess we can't say he, but, like, the writer writes some about Fresh Hour's prosecutor, and it accuses him of killing a pregnant teacher that he was having an affair with. 
And then the letter threatened to dig up the bones of the dead baby yep. if the police didn't comply. Like, they were horrible. Jesus, but let's, yeah. what's crazy is that's almost true. Mm. What? He didn't directly murder anybody. You're talking about Roger Klein, the yeah. prosecutor? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the rumored things with Roger Klein, with the prosecutor here, is that he was dating a pro- he was dating a teacher. He got her pregnant, and then he supposedly killed her. What did come out is that he was having an affair with the teacher. That part was true. Mm-hmm. I did read that story. Um, however, two people came forward, and they claimed to be the parents of the pregnant teacher that disappeared. Whoa! And that he was having an affair. Now there are no sources to back up this story. So it's more of an urban legend. It's then. more of like a legend, yes. Yeah. Unless you have the sources, but so I looked it up and I how did find she it. die? The teacher? Yeah. There is no teacher that died. So that's the thing is there's no news report about a teacher who died. All we know is that it was possible, like most likely true that Klein was actually having an affair with the teacher, okay. but that teacher didn't die, nor was she pregnant. Huh. But there was supposedly, supposedly, I have to put so many asterisks on this, supposedly a pregnant teacher who died, hmm. but Klein never got indicted or anything like that for this. So I don't believe that necessarily because it doesn't. So he was investigated by police because they didn't want dead baby bones and he was investigated they found nothing connecting him to a dead person okay so or to a missing person even and he retired respectfully because some of the things that the circle ball letter like they were true yeah Mm -hmm. so it's interesting that some of them were like just like really off the mark guesses based on it's like oh you're dating a, a teacher what if you got you pregnant and then killed her. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm going to write. Well, there was another one about the person who for, who performed Gillespie's autopsy. Yes. That claimed that this guy was a pedophile. And, I mean, technically, in 1993, he was officially charged with 12 counts of gross immorality, sex crimes, corruption of a minor, pornography, obscenity, and indecent exposure. So basically, it came out it like true, a while yeah. later that he was. Yeah. And again, yeah. like, how did how the fuck did they know about this? I still say small town. Everyone knows everyone's dirty laundry. It's about who's willing to say it. Or at least someone knows someone's dirty laundry, and like usually, like twenty people at least know yeah. in a small town. Like usually, it's quite a few people, and then that goes around. And it spreads, yeah. Also, again, this guy shot hundreds of letters mm-hmm. to Circleville, Ohio. Yeah. You're gonna hit something. Yeah. You. He probably. I mean, we don't even know who all he accused of whatever because true, most yeah. of it probably wasn't true. Just statistically, you send enough and like you're gonna be right. But I'm willing to bet there were probably stories about the guy who performed the autopsy. Yeah. And people already accusing him. And actually, what I ended up finding out was that um, this was an important point. The guy that had performed the autopsy had apparently been under a secret investigation from the police what? for a while. Oh. So someone already knew. So, again, he shot... It's not like he was shooting but, in like, the dark. But, like, has the connections to know this, you know? Yeah. yeah. To know everything. Right. Because these are a lot of different things. And now that, like, all these letters mm-hmm. are going out to multiple households, mm-hmm. there's not as many, like, easy-to-see connections. So, like, where are they getting all this information? Yeah. Right. And remember, these are all being sent from prison and... There was a full investigation, supposedly. or supposedly, there was a full investigation done of the prison. The warden said, I promise you 100%, there's absolutely no way that Paul is getting letters out of this prison. There's yeah. no contraband moving out of there. 
I, what I will say is that if the warden thinks there's no contraband moving out of his prison, he's an idiot. If he thinks there's nothing coming into his prison that he doesn't know about, he's an idiot. But but I think it does say something that, yeah, like, he was in solitary confinement. At one point, he was, sure. But who knows when some of these letters were actually sent out. That's too. true. That's yeah. another thing. Is like, so if we were to blame Paul, if we were to just go to that world where we're going to say that Paul was sending them from prison, if he's getting them out... We don't know when the letters are going out. We don't know how many are going out at once. Yeah. Like, he could but write a stack of 20. All going out at the same place? So you think that they would at least be paying attention to, like, the free drop mailboxes around there? I read that some of them actually came from out of the city after a while. Mm. So I think the police cracked down on the mailboxes. Probably someone noticed, and they drove them outside the city. Okay. Whoever, this wasn't a one-guy job. Well, yeah. This Either definitely way, wasn't a one-guy job. Involved, or there's somebody on the outside that's involved. Yeah. And this is, yeah, this is a very important uh, thing with Paul. I didn't know about this until I watched the 48 Hours doc. Uh, but, so, Paul's history was, originally he was, like, the whole thing is he's a factory worker. And the box that the gun was in might have come from his factory. And that's where he bought the gun from someone, right? However, that's not where Paul's career starts. Paul's career starts as a prison guard. Now, that is super important when you yourself are then put in prison. Yeah. Because if you are a prison guard, you, you have know. connections yeah. to people in the prison. So... Was he at that prison as a prison I'm going to go ahead and assume he was, okay. but a conflict of interest is what I would think. So I would, I'm kind of surprised that he was put he was there. there. Yeah. But it's a, we don't they probably don't have a lot of options either they're not gonna move him out of state for this there's no reason it's an attempted killing it's not a killing so they're not gonna like he's not gonna be under heavy protection like yeah. that but what we do know is he was a prison guard he also was in a movie where he played a prison guard as an extra uh because he had previously been a prison guard so so that's his history so who could get letters out of a prison without the warden knowing paul a could prison guard, yeah honestly another prison guard who knows the other prison guards and I'm sure gets a very unfair treatment from them on that level. He was also known as a model prisoner, yeah. which honestly, the model model prisoners are usually the problem ones that you don't know about. It's like one of those things where if something's not going wrong, it's probably that something is going wrong. You just don't see it. And yeah. that's what Paul was. He's this model person and that's what we got from everyone. But that's a theory. I'm just presenting that as a theory. How could he have done it? That answers that question. And that was one of the things that I had originally asked. People were like, how did he get him out of prison? I was like, he had to have had some kind of inside help. He had the best inside help of all. <laughs> a prison guard history. Yeah. yeah. But basically, they just kind of assume that it's not him. Since the letters are coming from seemingly outside the prison. Yeah. Yep. And so he gets released. But then the weird thing is that after he's released, the letters basically just stop. Yeah. Nothing yep. really happens after he's released. Well, and I, before he gets out, so he applies for parole. After seven years, he's eligible for parole. And he, as this, like, is leading up to his hearing, the letters, like, started getting, like, even, there was even more sent out. Like, an incredibly large amount got sent out in the weeks leading up to his hearing. And this actually prevented him from making parole that first time. And then after that, he receives a letter from the like circle oh, yeah, writer yeah. he even gets one yeah <laughs> like basically making fun of him being like like you thought that you were gonna get out like oh yeah so it says fresher now when are you going to believe you aren't getting out of here i told you two years ago when we set him up they say stay set up don't you listen at all no one wants you out no one 
no one the joke is on you ha ha tell no one of this letter i saw the paper great news great the sheriff loved it ha ha do you believe it now do you like pretty dick move <laughs> yeah. yeah just kind of making fun of him and yeah that's kind of what is the turning point i think yeah <laughs> yeah when your lead suspect gets it's a letter yeah gets a letter yeah, yeah. but I mean, it kind of sort of just stops there, except for when Unsolved Mysteries goes to start investigating this in 1993, they get a letter, (laughs) and it says, forget Circleville, Ohio, do nothing to hurt Sheriff Radcliffe. If you come to Ohio, you L. Sickos will pay the Circleville writer. Uh, First of all, it's the only one that's ever been signed. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's also weird that they specifically bring up the sheriff. Sheriff Radcliffe, yeah. Don't do nothing to hurt Sheriff Radcliffe. What does that even mean? Yeah, why why would them doing a show about it hurt the sheriff? I mean all of this all of sending the letter really did was make them even more excited to do the episode. Obviously. I like I'm I'm imagining like mysteries. planning to do this and you're like, holy shit, the circle mill writers like writing to us guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean obviously they they did the episode in nineteen ninety four anyway. Yeah. But it was kinda interesting that they knew beforehand. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess that's that's kind of the last letter, I think, is yep. it kind of ended with that. Yeah. Um, so that that was kind of a weird one. I still, so we talked about it already. I A lot of these letters have red herrings, I think, to try and pull people away. I think the Sheriff Radcliffe thing is just is a, a red, red herring. herring. I think it's to get Possible. you to look at the sheriff. That way you're, like, if you're looking at the sheriff, you're not looking the correct direction. Yeah. So it's like a magician's trick. You look at this hand, not this one. Because yeah. this is the hand that's doing everything. Yeah. So I know you have your own theory, which we'll talk about with the sheriff. <laughs> um, but before we get into that, so cut to recently. Recently, we have Beverly East. She's at the end of the 48 Hours documentary. She's a forensic analyst and a specifically a handwriting um, analyst. So she looked at the original letters not the hundreds. She looked at the originals because those are the ones that matter at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. She compared that to letters that were written to Paul's family, specifically from Paul, that we know he wrote 100%. She said, the handwriting really doesn't match up. That was a big thing for her. She looked over each letter over and over again. The handwriting on the letters is consistent. She's positive that that's 100% from the same person, which is something the police have questioned on and off this entire time. Every handwriting analysis, like analyst that's come up, has said they're from the same person. They just look like they are. Um, the, for those who, you know, you guys are listening to this, you can't see it. They, they're very blocky. They're like structurally, they're just like almost very cubic. Like they're very. Check the newsletter. Yeah, yeah. check the newsletter for them. But they are. They're very, very Imagine just like all hard caps, lines. But you're writing it like every single one is filling up like a perfect square. And very important, no real punctuation only colons yeah and that's because then you cannot test someone's like punctuation as well and like mm-hmm. how they use that when they're writing so that's also important um but one of the things she ends up noticing and this is a weird note is she says numbers never lie so she then looks at the numbers that are written on the addresses mm. and compares that to the numbers on the addresses that paul wrote to his family and what she sees she says specifically and this is something that handwriting analysts look towards i've heard this a million times is there's a certain type of hesitancy that certain people have in their writing and what he has on his numbers is sometimes his threes will look like he tried to write a two but he was like hesitant is one of the examples she gave Mm -hmm. and there's a specific like fix that he does on his numbers this has the same exact fix on the numbers so she said while the letters don't match whoever was writing these 
didn't think about the numbers. Yeah. So what she thinks, she said if she was to go into court today, she would absolutely testify that these are all 100% written by... She hmm. said no doubt in her mind. She said this is a business where you can't have a doubt. She's looked over them multiple times. She's positive based on the numbers mm. specifically. Interesting. It's the little things. It is. It is the little things They'll that get, get you. It. As they always say, they got Al Capone on tax evasion. Mm-hmm. So, they- <laughs> But I think it, it is worth mentioning that we, because we were going to talk about it earlier, that there was a second bus driver on the loop that saw someone at the spot where the gun was placed. Yeah. Yeah, we want to go back to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's go back to that. So, I mean, yeah, do you want to talk about that, Allie? Because I think that's really important for this person to say, like, 100% certainty that it is Paul. But then we have, like, a witness a- mm-hmm. account that shows someone that's not him. Yeah, there's a problem with this is there is another witness, like you said, the bus driver that was on the route, like, literally 20 minutes before Mary saw, like, a really suspicious looking guy on the side of the road exactly where the sign was with a yellow El Camino, and she described him as having, like, sandy blonde hair or something, Mm -hmm. and it was like everything she said was completely the opposite of Paul. So this guy was just there, and when the bus drove by, I guess he was, like, trying to, like, play it cool, like he just pulled over to, like, pee or something. Yeah, he specifically, like, hid his face. Yeah. And nobody ever looked into him, and apparently there was some kind of connection where, like, one of these people involved had, like, a friend or a brother or something with a yellow El Camino, and it's like, why didn't nobody ever talk to him? It was the other bus driver, David Longberry. It was his brother. No. Oh, was it, it not? Was, I saw that the or was speculation was that it was Karen's boyfriend. It was Karen. Karen's That's right. Boyfriend. It was Karen's boyfriend. boyfriend's brother. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Because That's so, right. Okay. So this is where the Karen Sue thing comes back, because this is where some people accuse her of being the person involved mm-hmm. in all of this. Because she has a connection to Ron, so she could write the letters threatening because she's irritated with Mary, right? Mm-hmm. She has the reason to get Paul in prison because she wants the kids, she wants the house, she wants everything. Mm-hmm. She knows someone with a yellow Camino, and she has a brother or she has a boyfriend that was apparently the right height and the right build. And she has access to the gun. And she has access to the gun, which mysteriously disappeared. And some people went as far, this came from the 48 Hours doc, uh, some people went as far as to claim that she might have convinced the son, um, her son and uh, Paul's son, to steal the pistol. Because he specifically knew where it was. Mm. Uh, Paul had told him that. So that leads then into one of the very, very dark moments of Paul's life, which is when his son commits suicide. Uh, A lot of people think that he committed suicide because of his growing anxiety over what he helped his mother do and the fact that it put his father in prison for 10 years because we don't know why he committed suicide there's no reason there's no, and no one will talk about it yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh my god here i am like it's dark we're gonna make some joke i'm just gonna finish this I'm beer sorry <laughs> So shall we go into just a quick run through of now who the suspects are? Sure. Sure. Cool. Clearly, as Cam has already made it clear, Paul Freshour is a pretty... He's up there on the suspect list. I mean, he is the one that went to prison for it. Yeah. But if he did so, it, we'll never know because he passed away. Yeah, so. he died in 2012. So, yep. And he actually created a website <laughs> to maintain his evidence and everything on there. So. Yep. Um, it's just like circlebellletters.wordpress.com or something. It's just one of those free sites. Mm. Um, 
Another one is Mary Did It. Because it's one of those classic, like, she seemed to know to stop her bus and pull down the one sign that happened to be booby-trapped, and she happened to not get hurt from it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was the one having the affair, and so then she got her husband killed to keep having the affair. But the only thing that doesn't make any sense is all of the horrible messages that were written about her own daughter. No, yeah. I don't think any sane person or even insane person would necessarily do that. To yeah, why go after the daughter? That's a weird thing. So, it kind of that doesn't really make any sense. Um, the David Longberry guy was a suspect, obviously, because they thought that he was in the very beginning. Um, and he supposedly this is this is I'm not going to say this is 100 percent fact <laughs> because I could not find evidence of it, but I did find it in a couple places mentioned by like bloggers and stuff. He supposedly sexually assaulted an 11-year-old and then went on the run. I don't know what happens at the end of that because I can't find it. But yes, in the 90s. I saw something also that said he died by suicide. So, like, I don't know. It's hard to tell if they found him or not. He might still be alive for all we know. Yeah. Who fucking knows? So, we don't know what happened to that guy. But it really doesn't seem to me like he was connected enough. Yeah. Um, Like you said, there's Karen. Um you know, she had a lot of shit in this. She had a lot to gain. (laughs) Yeah. She also may or may not have had the crazy boyfriend with the yellow car that was involved. As we said, that's also one of the suspects is Yellow El Camino Man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, We got him. We don't know who the fuck he is, and apparently we never will because the police didn't do their fucking job. Yeah. And then also there's one that's kind of weird and is hard to find any information about, which is William Massey, Gordon Massey's son. And was technically the first target of the Circleville letters, at least Gordon Massey was. And I guess some of the letters looked like they were signed with a W, Hmm. which kind of led people to think that it was the sun, but again, like, it's hard to say. Yeah, because the sun would totally sign his initials to his father. W. Yeah. 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 W. He's not gonna know. He'll never guess. So, I mean, you got a lot of people here. There's also, of course... It could have been multiple. It could have been a whole team of people working on this. I mean, like you said, whether it was Paul in jail or it was Paul not in jail, somebody was helping it happen on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. And there were so many letters sent out that it seems like it, like no one person no. has time to do this without being like, oh yeah, Tom down the street over there doesn't have a fucking job, so it's probably he never leaves his house or just already seen his writing desk. <laughs> so. Yeah, I guess there was, like, a lot of good evidence that it could actually be, like, three people, but none of them were Paul. Basically, it was, like, Mary, Karen, and somebody else. Um, But also, I have a theory that it's the sheriff. All right. I'm listening. Let's hear. Because he's mentioned so many times. Okay, why does he botch this investigation so hardcore when it's just for, like, attempted murder with a stupid booby trap? I mean, this isn't, like, a straight-up murder, you know? And he it did just, change his tune on the on Ron's like accident. Mm-hmm. He had two different conclusions with the actual death in this whole thing, and then also like the letter to uh, the Unsolved Mysteries crew is like, "Don't look at the sheriff." Mm-hmm. It almost feels like the sheriff was like, oh, "Son of a bitch, this is coming back. I gotta warn him. <laughs> I gotta tell him to fuck off." So like he wrote it himself to try and save his own ass. Because it was him all along. If I was writing a letter to a show that was going to investigate something I was involved with, I wouldn't put my name in it. But it's to throw them off, you know? I wouldn't say... Exactly. You wouldn't think that they would put their own fucking name in the letter. 
No, actually, that'd be somewhere that they would end up looking just because they got the name anyway. Yeah. I guarantee you Unsolved Mysteries looked into him pretty heavily. They I don't know, probably they're just, did. like, going through this whole case. The sheriff comes up an awful lot with all the weird discrepancies. At the very least, yeah, like, there's something that doesn't add up with him all the time. I it just, I feel like he has more weirdness around him than some of, like, the other people I just listed. I want to propose an answer to this question. I, you could be correct. I'm not saying you're not. I just want to say he was a small town white sheriff in the 70s so for him to botch an investigation is actually what i expect yeah I, if he true. did well that's in the true. investigation i'd been like that's we suspicious. need to look at yeah. him yeah. <laughs> i think he had something to do with it he has inside shot. information people are like no he just did an investigation bullshit bullshit in the yeah. time of the zodiac killer no yeah absolutely not but I think what people need to take a bigger look at is how the writer got that much, like, in-depth information. Yeah. How did they Do know about the affair? Conclusion? Sure. All right. Here is what I think happened. I think that there was initially one person that was writing it, and I think it was Karen. I think that she was the one that was, like, sending the letters... She has all of the things that you need. She has all the pieces. She has motive, opportunity. She has access to the weapon. She has people willing to help her. She gains a lot from this. So I think it was her. I think that maybe she had help. Yeah, maybe her 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 boyfriend's brother like did help out in this and it was super easy to frame her husband. And like, yeah, you, you file off the serial numbers, but like knowing that it's probably still gonna come back to you, just like all of those things. But then I think what happened is people in the town saw this as an opportunity to air their grievances <laughs> under the like if you look at some of the letters, they look completely fucking different. Is like, this a TV show? Everyone trying to write these block letters. I mean, for th someone to have that much information, wouldn't it seem way more plausible that it's like you have a grievance with this person because you know about that shit. So you send a letter under like the, you know, the pseudonym of the Circleville writer. And then like, you can just get away with it because they're looking for a single person. Oh my God. That would be fucking hilarious. I think that's exactly In the what end, happened. it was everyone. It was. It's like, it's like the movie Clue. Like it's like in the end, it was everyone. Sorry if that ruined that movie for you, everyone. Wow. Spoiler. <laughs> I don't know how many years it's been, but spoiler. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. Well, but now like, you have. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I feel like it's not that crazy, especially considering it's a small town. Yeah, people do stupid. People shit are in fucking small towns. bored, and I think <laughs> that like the reason that I really think that Karen is the original one is because, first of all, like I said, all of those reasons. But second of all, the like real fuck you that comes when Paul doesn't make parole, like that feels so targeted. And all of this stuff, if you're reading this like it is kind of a story, there's like the targeting of the daughter. I'm like that is like. That is some catty bitch infighting. That's true. I mean, if you look at it, she's pissed. Yeah. Because her brother's wife is cheating is on her. Is cheating on her and brother. And she thinks yeah. it's bitchy. So yeah. So she starts threatening them. The only weird thing is then Ron dies, you know? Yes. So, Which, like, like, what's maybe, the connection there? Maybe what happened at that point is, like, she'd gotten other people involved and it had escalated. Mm. Like, yeah. those people then, yeah, were, like, actually harassing Ron or, like, Maybe he was drunk and just crashed into a tree and that fucking sucks, but, like, I don't know. That's my theory. I mean, it's a fair theory. Yeah, I think it's fair. Who fucking knows, though? I don't think we'll ever figure this out. No. 
I just like the thing that I feel like people aren't looking enough at is like who would get this information. Yeah. Like either it's multiple individual people with information or somebody has access to something. Yeah. To know all these things. Like who is going around just knowing all this shit and then spending all their time sending hundreds of letters? Yeah. Also, what's the fucking point? Yeah. Like, what are you hoping to gain from these? Because no one did ever die from it, other than Ron, but, like, I mean, that could very easily have been an accident. There, It wasn't like he was murdered, like, he was shot and, you know, this was happening. Like, it, no one else dies from it. Like, people's secrets don't, like, they're not things that people actually are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I admit this now, so don't hurt me or something. Like, nothing like that happens. I will say Ron is a casualty of this. He may not die directly from sure. being murdered, but he's definitely a casualty of it. And I think there's a possibility that just because it's a small town and people hear things or whatever, I think that the son, I think Paul and Karen's son probably is also a casualty of this. Yeah. I think it probably stressed him the fuck out. His father went to fucking prison. Yeah. His mother became a controlling human being who wouldn't let him see his father, let alone, in fact, he's in prison, and or she he could just not see her. Like, yeah. and those are, those are stories are from multiple people. So she was like that. So I, I mean, he was definitely a casualty of this too. I, now like people weren't directly murdered. Sure. It doesn't seem like, yeah, sure. there's like, there's like the, the people who died from this and the people who it just sounds like yeah. some shit, like pretty little liars. You it know? does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when I like, I read multiple places too that were not reputable, but they were like, and Ron had a gunshot wound in him. And like, I'm not here to sensationalize this. Right. Like this, what, we're not going to do that. He didn't. Not that I saw mm-hmm. if the police ever reported it, I could not find it. Um, but yeah, so that so that's what you believe, Allie. Do you believe? Are you sticking with the sheriff thing? I mean, I think it's a good theory, and I think it's weird. But really, I think it's more like it was a group of people. I don't necessarily think it was like the whole town, but I think that would be really funny if it was. But I think, I think there was like a little team effort here, like maybe three, two or three. All right, I'm willing to concede that. Like, <laughs> there was like yeah, like up to like five people who were like involved in this. Yeah. I think it was one of those situations where it probably started with, like, one or two people, and then they brought somebody else in to either help or relieve their own stress with dealing with this, and then more people got involved. Or, yeah, they needed, like, more information. Or they just needed more help. Yeah. I don't really know if Paul was involved. I, like, at no point did I ever, was I ever convinced that Paul was involved. I know that, like, the the forensic stuff looking at his handwriting, they're like, yeah, certainly, 100%. But, like, at every point like watching the videos reading through this i never was like hmm maybe paul did it like not once i think cam fully disagrees with you mm, all right i don't fully disagree and i do <laughs> like the idea of the entire town just like fucking over the entire town yeah yeah i'm gonna write one too everyone telling like <laughs> yeah. no one getting enough like notoriety or anything going on because it's like Karen's got all her bullshit out there. Well, I want to be noticed too. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think that's a lot of fun. Um, I would watch that show. Uh, that'd be amazing. Pretty sure that already is a show. Yeah. I'm in a weird place because I'm somewhere that I've not seen anyone mention. And I, I don't, there's a lot of reasons why I think this. So I'm in three different places technically, but okay. they're all pretty much the same. Uh, I think it was either Ron and Paul. And I know I'm the asshole here blaming one of the victims, but I think it was either Ron and Paul ron and karen or i think it was all three of them okay now paul and ron are extremely close they are like brothers everyone's account says this even mary's 
So for Paul to help Ron out if he finds out about his wife's infidelity, not surprising. Um, for Paul to write those letters then to keep Ron kind of out of the direct line of fire, also not surprising. Okay. Paul was also very well educated. That's another thing that we know. Uh, and for him to be able to write a letter while not using his handwriting, being smart enough for that, and not um, not using his own intelligence at like the same level of intelligence to write these letters and making them look dumbed down also definitely sounds like something he could very well do. And I saw a couple of people mention that, that that is one thing about Paul is he was intelligent enough to make himself sound dumb. Mm-hmm. And that's very important. Um, the reason why I think it's probably Ron, because he's in all three of my scenarios, I think Ron found out that his wife was having an affair. I think he knew this. I think he sent the letters to her hoping she would just admit it. He could get the kids. He had two kids in this. He had a lot to lose Mm -hmm. here. So he couldn't just divorce his wife because he can't prove anything. And there's a good chance that he wouldn't get custody of the kids. It's just how it happens in the courts. It is pretty typical. The dads don't get custody, right? So there's a possibility that he'll lose everything, right? And I think that when she didn't do it, she just hid the letters. He knows she has the fucking letters if he sends them. So then he's just building and fuming. So then he sends a letter to himself. Because what's the way to involve himself? Sending a letter directly to himself. Because then he's like, hey, I got this letter. Do you know anything about this? Now she has to fess up. Because this letter directly (laughs) states that she's received the letters. So he's directly involved himself in it now. And then... Why send the letters (laughs) to the superintendent, though? Because then then Mary still wasn't willing to admit it though she's still fighting this and she's like well maybe it's this one guy that was creeping on me and he can't say no it's not like he can't do that Mm -hmm. so then you go to the next source of someone who can then admit it and again if that person admits it then she has to admit it he can then go get his children get a divorce Mm -hmm. which i think is probably what his goal was now i think paul would help him with that i think karen would help him with that which is why i think either one or the other or both were helping him then with the Paul thing, so I think Ron gets a phone call. I think he's fuming. I think things aren't working. I think he's probably been drinking because he knows his wife hasn't has been having an affair at this point. I think he's probably picked up drinking, probably secretly, probably not letting a lot of people know about this. I think he gets he's fuming. He takes off because of some conversation he has with either Karen or Paul. With a gun? I think, see, so this is where... I have to fully 100% speculate. Like, everything else is kind of based on what was going on. Sure. This part I do have to fully speculate. I kind of think he might have been going on a drunken rage to kill Gordon Massey. So he's just going to end the whole thing himself, is what you're thinking? That's what he told his children he was going to do. Oh, he's going to fix it? He said he was going to deal with it once and for all. He was going to fix it once and for all. That's what he was. That's what he told his daughter he was going to do. Not mm-hmm. those certain terms, but he did say that. He said he was finally going to deal with it, Right. I think that's what he was going to do. I think he was drunk. I think he crashed the car. I think the gun went off. And I think we didn't find a bullet because the whole fucking truck was destroyed. Okay. And I think bullet went out the window. There's a huge window there for the bullet to go out. Okay. So. Sure. So, I think that happened. And then that's where, like, things get a bit messy. I think either Paul was outraged that Ron died and Mary never fessed up, right? And then she fesses up after Ron dies, obviously, but she makes herself look like the good guy and look like the victim. So this irritates Paul. So he sets up a, like we talked about, a threat, not an actual attempted murder. But like using the the daughter? So I think that Ron would say the messages about his daughter to try and look make Gordon Massey look as bad as possible. 
It's think, fucked up, though. It is fucked up. <laughs> but it's fucked up to do this in the first place. This whole thing is fucked up. So, I and I wouldn't put it past someone that's in that position to do that. I will say that. Paul was fuming when Ron died. We know this. He was livid. Yeah. And he was livid, obviously, at someone. And from what we can tell, I think Karen might have been telling the truth. I think he might have been fuming at Mary. Because everyone believed at this point that Mary was having an affair. So, I think that either he threatened her with that, or there's a possibility that Karen was the one involved instead, and she just implicates Paul to get all of the pressure off of her. Mm -hmm. She gets everything gone at once. Her brother's dead. She doesn't want to deal with that anymore. She doesn't want to deal with this fucking divorce that's going on. So she implicates her ex-husband, who she fucking hates, sends him to jail. I think that's the other option. Now, one thing that I do want to bring up that does kind of cement the Paul thing for me is one thing that we did forget to bring up. I think it's really, really important. It is very important. Some of the letters that came from prison, when Paul was in prison, they were 100% um, analyzed by forensics, and they were found to have his fingerprints on them. So some of the letters when he was in prison had his fingerprints on them for some reason, which is what makes me think he was sending the letters out from prison. But that's what makes me think all three of them. I think there's a good chance... you think we're a team, but you think Paul was involved. I think Paul, Karen and Ron, and then I think the Karen and Paul thing fell apart, and that also could have been what drove them to divorce. Nobody ever mentions what drove them to divorce, but slowly trying to blackmail someone in your family after she's having an affair on your brother, on your brother, that is something that could definitely drive tension in a relationship, and now you're trying to keep this secret, police are investigating, they're tapping fucking phone lines, Ron's now dead. That could easily lead to a huge issue. So why, if this is like the plausible scenario, right? Why keep the letters going even after you're in prison? Like, if the hope is that you're trying to draw attention off of yourself, like, it really backfires because the weeks leading up to his, you know, his hearing, like, the letters are like going out in mass. And also why start doing it to the whole town? Yeah. Why do it to the whole town? Why send one to yourself at that point? See, for that one, for me, I thought about that for a while and I was trying to figure out, for me at least, like, why that works and like, who knows what this actually is, but... I think it's a point of being vindictive. He lost everything. He lost his children. He lost his wife. He lost his house. He lost his best friend. So it's him being vindictive? The whole town moved against him. The whole town thought he wrote those letters. So I think he just started letting out secrets that he knew. And I think he also shot in the dark. But you were saying that you thought that he did write the letters. No, I do think he wrote the letters. That's what I'm saying. And I think he was doing it to be vindictive. I think he was thrown in prison. Mm. And who also, who has time to write hundreds of letters? A man sitting in prison. Well, that's what I was doing nothing. implying earlier. Yeah. It's like, who was who sitting... It's either like a lot of people or one guy with nothing else to do. But no one blames Ron in all of this. And I think it's one of those cases where a lot of times it's both the closest person in the family is one of the like largest suspects that you have, but also one of the most unlikely suspects. I could definitely see it being Ron, but if that were the case, I would think that it was Ron and Karen together. Yeah, I mean, I like I just there's so much that like, in my opinion, points to Karen as like a major suspect. And then yeah, the letter to Paul in prison is like kind of what seals the deal for me. Yeah, that letter and the fact that they were going after Mary's daughter because that just feels like. It feels like a high school move, which if you live in a small town your whole life, you know that no one, like, matures past high school. And everyone acts the same way. Everyone is their high school version of themselves. And so, like, what do you do? You go after this bitch's daughter. Like, 
No, that's totally fair. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm kind of leaning towards the three of them together and then the two falling apart after Ron's death. And another reason for that, too, is she says... She tries to implicate him with the letters to the police, right? She's like, he wrote the letters, but she doesn't give any evidence. And I don't necessarily know it's not if it's not because she didn't have it or if it's because she would have then given over evidence that implicates her. And I think that's a problematic scenario. I think she was trying to shift the blame okay. in that situation, if that's true, trying to shift the blame to get away from her. But she can't give you evidence because her fingerprints are also going to be all over that shit. Yeah. So I think that's also a possibility. I definitely think Paul wrote some, if not all, of the letters. So that's why I think it was all three of them. It's a very long-winded right. thing. Maybe but I didn't hear anyone say that. <laughs> He wrote them all in like a week, but then they just sent them out over time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> if he had some accomplices on the outside that were sending them out. I just, I didn't see anyone mention Ron. And I think Ron's a very, very likely scenario. Just I do think that Ron is a good candidate. I think that him dying like makes that harder because then you have to be like, okay, well, it still continued. So if it had just like stopped, then you're like, mm, it's pretty sus, Ron. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, like they just kept going and it continued for the whole town. And so it's weird. It, it's a strange scenario in that originally it was like so focused on this one like person and couple having the affair for so long. Every person receiving letters and all the signs and all the information were about this one person. And then after that, it's like, oh, here's whole, the whole town. Like that, that feels like the red herring to me. Like, yeah. it feels like it's really trying to pull away from the fact that, like, there was, like, an initial thing going on between these people, and then everything after that is just, like, either copycats or people that were just, like, I don't know, trying to, yeah, like, use this to their benefit. I don't know. But it feels weird that it's, it feels like two separate scenarios. It's, like, there's, like, the Circleville letters that, you know, flooded the town, and then there's, like, the like Ron and Mary Gillespie affair. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to go along with like the Karen and, and Paul thing too, or like the idea that one of them was probably involved. Uh, once Ron died, the letters still stayed and the signs stayed focused on Mary at that point, mm -hmm. but they started being sent out in mass to businesses and stuff. Yeah. So I think that was also like a point of anger. It's obviously like a point of anger. It's, I do really want to know what they said to the businesses though, because I don't really see anything. Someone did. I saw a couple of pictures. They're the same exact letters that you see to everyone else. They just sent them to businesses. They were just trying to get them out there. But I see that as like a passion type of thing. Gotcha. Like something. Someone's really upset. Someone crossed the line yeah. and it was probably Ron's death because it coincides with Ron's death. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like we don't have the answers. Those are a lot of theories. Mm -hmm. And the Ron Wild one, the Ron yeah. one just wasn't fucking mentioned because he dies in the middle of it. But that Neither doesn't mean he sheriff. wasn't involved. Nobody ever mentioned the sheriff. I saw a couple that did include the sheriff. There are a couple of people who think the sheriff was suspect. And he also did have he to backtrack on himself a few times. So Maybe he was also in on it. Maybe he's the one that discovered there was an affair. I think he's an idiot. That's <laughs> I think that's honestly what it is. That's fair. I think he's guilty by being a moron. <laughs> I don't think he actually did anything. But, and that was his crime. <laughs> but that's where you let us know. That's where you let us know what you think. Uh, let us know what you think about our theories. Let us know what you think about the evidence. If there's anything important that we missed, we tried to mention everything. Um, let us know if you were involved in this. Did you like, get a in letter? The town. We want to know. Did you get a letter? Do you have a letter? That'd be cool. Um, Please don't send us. Please don't. No, we don't want that. <laughs> no. 
totally not. Uh, yeah, but let us know what you think. We have an email. We have social media. We are also on Kofi. If you want to drop a tip in a cup, we just, you know, just we don't know, coin cups. Virtual tip yeah. jar. If you Virtual didn't think we were drunk enough this episode, it's because you need to pay for our beer. <laughs> <laughs> and also to keep us ad free. Yes, yes, it does go to keep us ad free. Because we don't do ads because ads are not great. There's so many ads everywhere and in life so already. <laughs> we don't want to just... Also, if you want to put your ad this. on our podcast, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Um, but we are trying to keep this ad free, so if you want to drop us a tip there, that is... Uh, it's in the show notes. Uh, it is Kofi. That is K-O-F-I. Is that what it is? Uh, K-O-F-I. So that's where you can go. But that was the whole thing. Yeah. I'm Cameron. I'm Allie. And I'm Serena. All right. Uh, until next time, also thank you for all of our other hosts because they're not here to say thank you. But thank you so much for listening. Remember to always stay stitious and... I was going to say write letters to people, but that's so out. That's, <laughs> that's not a thing anymore. Um, and keep uh, your letters. You need proof, my friends. I was also going to say something else, but that then... Don't let your letter writing get out of hand. <laughs> I was going to say if you write letters to people, uh, wear gloves. That, that's not good. Mm. Um, don't do that. Uh, we do not condemn that. Uh, Use invisible ink. That's the best way to do it. <laughs> Be sneakier. But also, I guess technically this person was sneaky enough since we don't know who they are. That's true. What I will say is remember to always stay stitches and keep your secrets a secret. And check your back seat, folks. Check your back seat. That's yeah, a good dude. one. If you're driving right now, yeah. don't take a look. Keep your eyes on the road. Like, look but in like, your rear view mirror. Yeah, but, but like, <laughs> maybe just like tilt that down a bit. If it's dark, turn on a light. Turn on the light, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Oh.